So let's pray to start this off. Father, I thank you for uh, this day and this opportunity to bring your word forth to all of those who are seated here and who are with us. Just give you thanks, Father. Pray that uh, your words would be the only thing that uh, these people hear. I pray that their hearts and their minds will be open to receive your truth. And ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you haven't been able to figure out, today is actually the first Sunday of Advent. And so um, to commemorate that, well, I had it. There we go. We're going to light the first of our four Advent candles, which is the candle of hope. "'Twas the night before Christmas," the 19th century poem begins, and goes on to say that the stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hope that St. Nicholas soon would be there. St. Nicholas um, was an actual person. He was known in many countries for over a thousand years as uh, Father Christmas, Père Noël, there's a German word, Weihnachtsmann, which actually means the Christmas man, and of course, Santa Claus. And so the name St. Nicholas has become synonymous with the ideas of winter, generosity, festivity, presents, children, big box stores, outrageous sales, <laughs> violence on Black Friday, and last but not least, Christmas. There's a lot of legends about this man, St. Nicholas, but he was a real person who lived in the 4th century. Uh, His name was Nicholas of Myra, as he was known, and he was a Greek bishop of that city, uh, which is now known as Demre, which is part of modern-day Turkey. So that's where he lived. Uh, He grew up in a home full of faith, and after his parents died, Uh, In an epidemic, he went on to become a priest, and after that, a bishop, which is essentially a pastor of pastors. And so in his lifetime, Nicholas was respected for all of the acts of kindness that he did and his generosity, and he was especially known for giving gifts in secret. So you think about the idea of secret Santa. Well, he actually was Santa giving gifts in secret. It was said that he would put coins in the empty shoes of those who were poor when they left them out for him to see. And then from that, legends obviously have grown about this great man of faith into a story of the chimney-descending Santa Claus that we tell our children today. And so while these thousands of tales about St. Nicholas are imaginative and, and maybe even fun, Are they true enough to give us guidance, to give us light for our everyday lives? And we have all of these other stories that we enjoy at Christmas, each with its own bit of light to shed on our path. Maybe your favorite, like mine, is one of the following. It's a Wonderful Life, A Christmas Carol, Miracle on 34th Street, White Christmas, A Christmas Story, or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. See, while all of these stories and many of the songs that are attached to them 
are enduring and heartwarming and convey very beautiful truths about family and friendship and generosity, they all have a limit in their ability to offer any kind of real guidance for our lives. You know, we never really hear of um, somebody who's going through a divorce reciting the lines from It's a Wonderful Life as a way to kind of help them get through their pain. We never hear uh, any parents who have estranged teenagers singing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer to console themselves and tell themselves that everything's going to be okay. And we certainly never hear the child of a parent dying of cancer pray to Santa Claus for their hope as their hope for healing. Well, why not? Because these are not stories from which we can find sufficient light for our entire life's journey. Yeah, I mean, these stories do shine some measure of light and some truth on certain situations. But they still leave some very deep shadows unaddressed. They can never truly guide us with a bright light to safety, to peace, to harmony in relationships, to life that lasts forever, to home. You see, God's word is called a light to my path in the Bible. That's from Psalm 119, verse 105. And for billions of people over thousands of years, the scriptures have provided vital guidance to people walking through life's hardest challenges. The New Testament in the Bible goes even further to say that there is a light that can live with us and can be with us as we navigate life's difficult terrain. As the truest Christmas story ever told opens in the book of Matthew, Jesus Christ steps on the scene of human histories and says these seven words as recorded in John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. The light we all need for life's journeys must transcend the passing comfort of Christmas lights and even the soft glow of family and friends. We need a lasting light, a guiding light that shines in the shadows of our darkest fears and deepest failures, penetrating them with a truth and life and faith and, yes, hope for the future. The light that we all need to experience this Christmas season is the light of the world, the light whose name is Jesus. <coughs> he is the one that St. Nicholas bowed down to worship. <clears throat> he is the light that is available to us <clears throat> through our brightest days and darkest nights. He is here to shine on you this Christmas, to lead you home. And so bless you as we enter once again the true story of Christmas. Now each week, one of these messages are going to be based on a Christmas movie. 
And so this week, the Christmas movie is It's a Wonderful Life. And <clears throat> is, it, is there anybody who's never seen the movie? Okay. Bits and pieces. A couple people have. <clears throat> well, maybe this will encourage you to see it this year. <clears throat> but for those of you who don't know, the protagonist in this movie, It's a Wonderful Life, is a man named George Bailey. And George has lived his whole life in a place that he desperately wants to leave. But life circumstances had other plans for George. The childhood injury, the death of his father, the needs of his community, they all diminished the dreams that he had of traveling the world. probably remember that very first scene when he comes into Mr. Gower's drugstore and he buys this, you know, Mr. Gower has purchased this big suitcase for him so he can use it to go on his, his travels. And then life kind of gets in the way and he never gets to go. And so he stays there in this little town and makes a life for himself. But then eventually there's a financial crisis that occurs and it's not of his making. But it's going to be his undoing nonetheless. And so it brings him to a point of being willing to take his own life. And so at that moment, an angel appears. And I always have loved the angel because the angel's name was the same name as my own father, Clarence. <laughs> you just have to love an angel named Clarence. And so this angel named Clarence appears. And he shows him what would have happened if he had never been born. All of the things that would happen to his family and his friends and even his own town. What that would have looked like if he had never come into existence. And so he goes through this experience of seeing how awful things would be, would have been without him. And so he begins to plead with God. Actually, he starts out pleading with Clarence, but eventually gets around to God. And he wants him to return things to the way they were. And so that is where we're going to pick up the movie's final scene. So if you would watch the screens. Clarence! Clarence! Help me, Clarence! Get me back! Get me back! I don't care what happens to me! Get me back to my wife and kids! Help me, Clarence, please! Please! I want to live again! I want to live again! I want to live again! Please, God, let me live again! <laughs> Hey, George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now, get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out of here. What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George? Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car piled into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you... Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? What you... <laughs> My mouth's 
bleeding, Bert. My mouth's bleeding. Zuzu's pedals. Zuzu. There they are. Bert, what do you know about that? Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas. Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. George, uh, I've got a little paper. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas. Reporters, are where's Mary? Mary, oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Mary! 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 Have you seen my wife? Mary, Mary is Mary, Daddy. Daddy. Kids! Pete! Good job. <laughs> Where's your mother? She went looking for you. With Uncle she... Billy. Daddy! Zuzu! Zuzu, my little ginger snap. How do you feel? Fine. Not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Hello. George. George, Mary. darling. Where are you? George, darling. Where are you? Oh, oh George. 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 Oh, let me touch. Let me touch. Are you real? <laughs> Oh, just, 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 <laughs> George. You've no idea what's happened to me. You've no idea what happened. <laughs> well, well, come on, George. Come on downstairs. Quick, right. they're on their way. All right. Come on. <laughs> come on in here now. <laughs> now you stand right over here by the tree. Right. right there. And don't move. Don't move. What's happening? Wow. Oh, I feel them coming now. George, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Who's gonna come, Daddy? Who, Daddy? Come in, Uncle Billy. Everybody come in here. George, get George, Mary did it. She told some people you were in trouble with it. They scattered all over town collecting money. Didn't ask any questions, just said, George, in trouble. And tell me, you spread like spread. Another run on the bank?
Poxa, pé, vai aqui no Now get this, it's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash, stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000, stop. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh. George, the richest man in town. <laughs> Because all of us want to live a meaningful life. And George finally finds out at the end that he has lived a meaningful life. This movie reminds us that our lives are gifts from God. Not necessarily a gift to us, but a gift to others. See, that's that's not what George wanted for his life. And nor is it typically what we would want for our lives. But see, when we finally reach that point of surrendering our will to God's will and live the life that he has planned for us, well, that's when we realize just how truly wonderful our wonderful our life has been. Even if it didn't or doesn't turn out the way that you thought it was going to or that you had planned for it to. And the thing is that that's okay. Because the second point I want to make today 
is the one that says that you have a wonderful promise. Scripture here is, is 1 John 2, 25, and it says, And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. In the context of this passage, if you look at the, the book of 1 John, John is challenging some false teachers who had come upon the scene and who were starting to teach things other than the, the original message of the gospel. It's the what you know they were contradicting what Jesus had taught and what the prophets had been preaching and talking about, even back in Old Testament times. See, Jesus promised that his followers would be given eternal life. And that wonderful promise still exists today. See, the, the, the problem, though, is that there's no limit to the number of false teachers who have a voice in our culture. And there's no limit to the number of things that they will say that contradict this message. And see, what they will say, essentially, is that this the life that you're experiencing right now is all there is. Life sucks and then you die. The end. Better get all you can get now because there ain't no more. But the promise of God is so much more. And see, although we have learned that the full enjoyment of life awaits us beyond this world. Famous composer Isaac Watts was right to sing, the men of grace have found glory begun below. Eternal life begins here and now. As the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in a believer, planting the life of God into the soul of each and every person. See, we, we can actually know God, not just know about God. We enter this personal relationship through faith, and it unites us with God, not just now, but now and forever. The future inheritance is, in fact, something that we already have present possession of. And if it's not for you, in other words, if that's a decision that you've never made, if you've never actually said yes to Jesus and said, I want that life, then it can be right here and right now. So we're going to take a moment right here. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And we're not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand or do anything. But if you have never given your life to Jesus, then I'm going to give you a chance right now. So I just ask everyone to close their eyes. And you can just repeat this in your heart. Dear Father, I now believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten Son that he came down to our earth in the flesh and died on the cross 
to take away all of my sins and the sins of this world. I believe that Jesus Christ then rose from the dead on the third day to give all of us, even me, eternal life. Father, I now confess to you all of the wrong and sinful things that I have ever done in my life. I ask you that you please forgive me and wash away all of my sins by the blood that Jesus shed for me on the cross. I am now ready to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I now ask that you come into my life and live with me for all of eternity. I now believe that I am truly saved and born again. Thank you, Father God. I ask things I ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. And whether you just prayed that prayer this moment, or you prayed that, that prayer at some earlier point in your life, you have all accessed the wonderful promise of eternal life that God promises to everyone who calls upon his name. And finally today, you have a wonderful future ahead of you. You see, I always find it so interesting when I hear someone talk about how boring the Christian life is. How boring it must be to be a Christian. I just, I sit there and I think, you know, they obviously have never really tried it. You know, if they, if they or, or at least they have just this very rudimentary understanding of what the Christian life is from going to church when they were young and, and maybe getting a dose of, only a dose of, you know, the Old Testament God, which, of course, we've told all the stories about how many have grown up thinking that that was, you know, that was really who God is, right? This wrathful, vengeful, wipe out whole populations of people God. But we didn't really ever catch that New Testament part that talks about what a God of love he is. And how really when you kind of, with you, if you have that understanding and you look back, you can see that love at work even throughout the Old Testament. And so, I, I just know, I mean, because if you really live the Christian life, it is so very exciting. I, I mean, I've got to tell a story, so I'm going to step on your thunder a little bit. But Donna, just as an example, Donna had been, uh, I'd been aware through some emails that she and I were exchanging that she had become somewhat ill and we kind of were able to trace it back. There's a question that you always ask somebody when you pray for them, and you say, well, has anything been going on? Did, did anything new happen, or did some, you start something, or was there a particular event that happened right about the time you started to experience whatever, sickness or pain or whatever? And in her case, the answer was yes, that she had begun um, praying, going through this program of praying for patients. And almost at the exactly that same time, she started experiencing all this pain and discomfort. And it was moving all around through her body. And to me, that's an immediate tip-off that it's not really just any kind of an earthly sickness. 
that something was oppressing her, coming against her because of the effort that she was making. So I said, well, let's get together and pray. So she came yesterday while we were here putting up the Christmas stuff. And um, I think you're feeling pretty good today, right? <laughs> but the one, the one thing that was really so cool was when we, before we started to pray, she could not, that's about right, isn't it? It's about all the farther she could get her index finger. She could get the other fingers completely closed, but she could not get that index finger. And she had this tingling that kind of took away the sensation of touch from her fingertips. So we prayed for her a couple of times and prayed specifically for her finger. And I was there, Mike and Maggie were there too, <clears throat> and got to watch as the look on her face when she actually did this. And she can still do it. So, you have to then deal with the, the, the abject reality of what just happened, right? Either God just did something, or you have to come up with some other explanation. But that's what living the real Christian life is all about. <coughs> it's not in the least bit boring. In fact, it's the most fun you can ever have. And so I, I say all that so that as a way of helping you understand that our true destiny and our purpose really begins and ends with God. And until we make a conscious decision to kind of tune into that, to begin to listen to what he is saying to us and to you know, understand and really get scripture embedded in us so that we really understand what it is saying and what we are to do in response. And unless we do that, we're always going to be living a lesser life than what we could be living. And it's your choice. That's the, the, the amazing thing about God as well. He always leaves it up to us to make that choice. And see, I think if our movie friend, George Bailey, had done something like that a little bit earlier in his life, then he wouldn't have seen his life as a failure. That he couldn't fulfill all the purposes that he was trying to fulfill. Rather, he would have seen it as a triumph of fulfilling all of the things that God had for him to do to help so many people get housing, to be such a pillar of his community. Because if, you, you know, if you're familiar with the movie, you, they show scenes about um, <clears throat> he couldn't serve during the war because he had a bad ear, but he you know, led all kinds of drives you know, to raise money and to do all these various things during the war effort and so forth. So he was really a, a, an amazing standout in his community. And see, he, did, he was able to, that all, I believe, was all God's purpose for his life. And he finally learned that. And so I, my prayer for us today is that if you don't know that, that you would use this time of Advent to, 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 to spend some quiet time with God and to try and figure that out to read scripture, to read the Christmas story. 
I know your devotional even suggests reading um, the first three chapters in the book of John and then doing some reflection on that, and I think that would be excellent too. But, you know, ask God to reveal himself to you in a new way this year. You know, just pray and say, God, who are you to me? What do you want me to know about you that I don't know already? I would also ask that you really believe that God has a calling on your life and that he wants you to be living in it. See, until we believe that, we can't really do anything about it. And then finally, <coughs> take a moment, whether it's now or whether it's sometime this week, and just pray and ask God to show you what his purpose is for you. You know, it may not, you, it, it may be a situation where this amazing vision happens and you see some kind of long-term occupation or mission or whatever that you're supposed to do, but it may simply be he just shows you a small thing that he wants you to do as a first step because so often that's the way God works. You don't get the whole picture. You just get that first step and you take that and then you learn what the next one is supposed to be and so forth. And so once we see that, then the secret is being obedient to step out into it. Well, Father God, I just pray your blessing upon each and every person that's gathered here. Father, in this very busy time of year, I simply pray that you would open up a time of solitude and reflection for each person, that they would have the opportunity to just sit and reflect on you, on the Christmas story itself, to sit in your presence and to truly begin to know you more. Bless them as they go from here. Let them be lights into a very dark world. Let them share your love with each and every person that they meet. We give you thanks and praise, Father, and I ask all of these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.